Let me welcome you this morning to the Gathering Church at Home. I want to thank you for worshiping with us today. My name is Robbie Denson. I'm the executive pastor here at The Gathering. And if you're joining us for the very first time, let me extend a special welcome to you. In fact, over the last four weeks, while we've been having these online experiences, we've had people from all over the world join in. And you know, I would love to to be with you in person, but it has been amazing to see what God has done in this season. Last week, we started a series called New Normal. And in this series, our goal is to encourage you and to empower you to implement some basic spiritual practices. Because here's the thing, in a season like the one we are in today, the enemy wants to highlight all of the things that you don't have control of. Because if you're like me, you like control. But what if our focus was to shift away from all the things we don't have control of? And what if we were to lean into the things that we can control? And so what better time than now to create a new normal for your life? Last week, Pastor John Mark talked about the Sabbath, and it was a powerful message. I would encourage you to go back and check it out if you missed it. And what I want to talk to you about today is prayer. I want to talk about prayer. You know, what I'm learning most right now is that the world can take a lot away from me. Maybe this COVID-19 virus has already made a significant impact on your way of life. I'm hearing stories weekly from people in my life group, from people in the church, people outside of the church who are coming face to face with how this virus is negatively affecting them. Listen to me, now more than ever, you need to know that while the world can take so much from you, It cannot take away your ability to sit with Jesus and share your heart with Him. You you can still do that. On Monday of this week, I was sitting at my desk and out of nowhere, this overwhelming sense of anxiety crept up on me. My stomach was in knots. I felt like bees were buzzing around in there. I don't know what it was, but I think the gravity of this whole thing hit me. And for some reason, I started to paint a very negative picture about what the future was going to look like. You know, the picture I was painting was not a pretty one. And right in the middle of my moment, I felt God say, and I don't know how you hear God, and there are moments where I just feel God speak to me in my spirit. And in that moment, God said, Robbie, get your head up get your head up. And you know, that's all I I think I heard. But what I got from that moment is that the picture I was painting was one where I had left God out. For a brief moment, I created a story for myself where God wasn't looking out for me, that his promises weren't true or, or that his goodness had limitations. And so in that moment, when when God kind of shook me a little bit, I, I stood up. I picked my head up. I was obedient to God. I picked my head up and I just started to pray. 
I thank God for meeting me in my moment of doubt and giving me a little nudge. And after I thanked him, I just started to share my heart with him. Not my fear, but my heart. I think God wants to hear our heart. Can I tell you something today? And we say this a lot at the Gathering Church, but I want to say it again today. Prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. And I want to show you how today. We're going to look at Paul's letter to the Philippians. And and now Paul's letter is good. But what brings these words alive inside of me is understanding exactly where they came from. Philippians is what we call a prison epistle or a prison letter. And it's not because Paul's writing it to people in prison. No, Paul's writing this while he's sitting in prison. And so these are not what we would call good days for Paul. His his dreams and his hopes were to be out and preaching the gospel. But here he finds himself sitting in a dungeon in a season of uncertainty. Paul sitting in jail, uncertain about his future. Maybe we're not sitting in jail today, but how many of us are uncertain about our future? And so he's sitting in prison, but yet he wants to preach the gospel. So he still writes and pins a letter to the people of Philippi. He wants to encourage them. He wants to empower them. And in this letter, while he's sitting in prison, he uses the words rejoice or joy 27 times. And so if you're watching this message today and you're hurting or you're afraid or you're uncertain about the future, I think Paul wants to send you some encouragement this morning. Let's talk about how prayer changes everything. I've got four big ideas I want to share with you today. Here's the first one. Prayer replaces worry. Prayer replaces worry. You see, You and I, right now, in this season, we don't have the mental, physical, or spiritual capacity to allow worry to take up real estate in our hearts. I needed this reminder from Paul this week as I was preparing this message. Listen to how Paul says it, and remember, he's sitting in a prison. In Philippians chapter 4, we we see Paul say, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. While Paul is sitting in a a jail cell of uncertainty, he tells us to pray and he tells us to do it with thanksgiving. Sit with God, he says. Sit with God and talk to him. You know, this week, sitting at my desk, thinking and mulling over what's happening all around me and to the people around me, to the people I care about, to the people I love. In that moment, my worry and my anxiety, it almost got the best of me. But when I moved into prayer and I started to talk to God and share my heart with him, something happened. You know what didn't happen? The world around me didn't change. When I moved into that moment of prayer for 15 or 20 minutes, when I I came out of that, the world had not changed. People are still out of work. People are still getting this virus. The news is still rolling. The world around me didn't change. My perspective did. My perspective changed 
worry was replaced with hope. You see, that's what prayer does. That's what prayer does. And you know, let's not forget, we all had lives before this virus. Some of us carried all that worry into this worry and we're just piling our worry on top of itself. And I think today, all of us need a little hope. Prayer replaces worry. Prayer gives way to hope. You know, you can't go to your bank account in a time like this and you can't find hope there. You can't go to Netflix in a time like this and find hope there. Prayer brings hope. The second big idea is this. Prayer relinquishes control. Prayer relinquishes control. Let's go back to to what Paul says. He says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What does this mean? You see, for many of us, we don't want to release control to God. We just want to share it. For example, we, we bring our dreams to God and we pray that he'll just figure out how to make it happen. But Paul says, present, present your request to God. This week, my wife came home excited. She had gotten my youngest, Josiah, a surprise. And she told me, hey, Robbie, come here. I want you to film this. And she pulled out of a bag a toy and she presented it to Josiah. And I kid you, no, just, I kid you not, Josiah looked at her and said, no, thanks. Chelsea said, why, why not? He goes, I'm not interested. See, that's the thing about when we make a presentation, the one we present it to can say, not today. Paul says, present your request to God. Telling God your idea and presenting God your idea, those are two different things. Telling God keeps the control in your hand. Presenting to God releases the control over to him. That verse continues. It says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying here is that when you've relinquished control, then follows, when you give the control over and you put your circumstances in his presence, in his presence, what follows is the peace of God. And here's what I love about it. That peace transcends all understanding. This last week, my worry was replaced with hope. And while the circumstances have not changed yet, there is a peace and a calmness in me. You see, here's what prayer teaches us. Prayer says this, it can't be God's problem and my problem at the same time. God says, give it to me so that you can let it go. I want to take all of it from you. Give it to me. We hear this in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Prayer relinquishes control. It minimizes the need for you to feel like you've got to do this all on your own. Prayer reminds us that some things require a God who is bigger than us. You can give it to God today. You can give it. You can relinquish control. You can relinquish the fear, the pain, the anxiety, the addiction, whatever it is right now that's keeping you from freedom. 
that's keeping you from the presence of God, that thing that keeps you from entering into his presence, just to share your heart with him, he, you can relinquish it to him today. The third idea, the third big idea is this. Prayer reveals contentment. Oftentimes, before we go into a moment of prayer, our focus is on all the things that we need. God, I, I need to figure out this, this homeschooling packet. God, I need to figure out how to stay sane during this whole thing. But what prayer does is prayer shifts the focus. It shifts the perspective. It reminds us that we have everything that we need. That's what Paul tells us. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in and every situation. Whether, we are, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says he knows what the secret to being content is. Well, Paul, what's the secret? He's already told us. He started this chapter with the secret. Prayer is the secret. Prayer is the secret. Paul is telling us that his proximity to God determines his level of contentment because remember, Paul is sitting in a jail cell and what he says is, in this moment, in all situations, I've learned to be content. Why? Because when I'm, when I'm unhappy, I move close to God. When I'm happy, I move close to God. When I'm comfortable, when I can pay my bills, I move close to God. When my job gets taken from me, I move close to God. His proximity to God determines his level of contentment. How close are you to God? How is that proximity? His joy and his satisfaction are not found in things. His joy is found in his closeness to God. And Paul has chosen prayer to be the thing that brings him close to God. The psalmist David couldn't agree more. He makes it clear. And I actually like how, how David says it a little bit better. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Listen, I, David went from rags to riches and, and back. And oftentimes he's, he's sitting in a cave, hiding, uh, trying to be murdered. And yet he says, listen, the, the Lord is my shepherd. So I have what I want. I have all that I need. There's something about reading those words that makes me want to run to them. I want, to, I, want, I want to get to that place where I say, the Lord is my shepherd and I have all that. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that I want. I have things I want for my kids, things I want for myself. But you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. And so I have joy because I have that which I need. I want to run to those words. Here's the, the last idea I have for you this morning. The last idea is this. Prayer relies on God. Prayer relies on God. A little over eight years ago, my, my wife and I were sitting at Perfectly Frank's, a hot dog restaurant in Somerville, South Carolina, when we decided to start the adoption process for the first time. And this is just who we are. You know, we, we make quick decisions sometimes. And sometimes those decisions change our lives forever. We were sitting at Perfectly Franks and we left from that lunch after we had a brief discussion and we walked into a local adoption agency that was less than a half a mile away. 
And little did we know, our lives would be changed forever. You know, when Chelsea and I said yes to adopting our youngest son, Josiah, he was three months from being born, and we were roughly $10,000 short of the money it was going to take to bring him into our home. And I remember the agency called us. They said, you know, Josiah had some adoptive parents that, that backed out, and we called you. We, they kind of shared with me his story, and Chelsea called me. I remember I was at staff lunch at Northwood Church, and Robbie, I got to talk to you. And I pulled away, and she said, we got to make a decision by today. Well, and I thought, I don't, how do we make a decision like this by today? And so I remember I called my mom, and I shared with her about this child. He didn't even have a name yet. But I share with her his circumstances. I share with him about his birth parents and I kind of filled them in on what the story was. And my mom just got quiet on the other side of the phone and I could hear through tears that she said, Robbie, I already feel like this kid is in our family. And I said, mom, fighting through tears. I said, I think Chelsea and I are thinking the same thing. Then I said, Mom, can I have $10,000? And she quickly said, I don't have $10,000. And she hung up. We said yes that day. We were 24 and 22 years old. We didn't have no money. And at the time, Makai was three months old. There was a lot that we didn't have in that season. But there was one thing that we did have. We had a deep belief that God who brought us to where we were, could get us through it. If he brought us here, if he presented this child to us and we said yes out of obedience, that he could take us the rest of the way. And so we began to hit our knees and we presented our requests before God and we didn't know what was going to happen. We prayed for this little baby boy. We prayed for his birth parents. There was so much we didn't know, but we did know that God was good. In that season, our only option was to hit our knees in prayer because at that point in my life, $10,000 might as well have been a million dollars. And so we prayed. We prayed for strength and we prayed for courage and we prayed for obedience and we prayed for God's plan to come to pass because the only way that this was going to happen is if it was God's plan. We had to relinquish control and we had to rely on God. Paul says it like this in chapter 4 verse 13 of Philippians. I can do everything through him who gives me strength, but it's only through him. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. See, many of us walk around like I can do everything and forget to rely on him who gives us strength. Prayer reminds ourselves that we are relying on God. He continues in verse 19. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. After we said yes, we realized, you know, we're behind on the money side of things. And so we started to do fundraiser after fundraiser. We had people sending us checks who, who had heard about our story and they just wanted to be a part of it. Uh, we even did a, a pancake breakfast at Applebee's. I felt terrible. They were disgusting. I walked around the entire time taking people's money for sure and then apologizing for how nasty this, this was. 
And then we had an idea that, that we thought was ours, but it turns out it was a God idea. We had a garage sale, but the idea was not to sell our stuff. We didn't have no stuff. We were going to sell everyone else's stuff. The goal was to, to get people to donate their old stuff to us, and we were going to sell it on our driveway like everyone else does. We were going to go get the poster board. I was going to write on, a on, on there with a Sharpie, say, come on in, take what you want, leave us some money. And pretty quickly, people, people, people's things started to roll in. Within a matter of days, our garage was full. I had to, to start scheduling pickup days so I could rent a U-Haul to get people's things. And I, I remember on one occasion, and I will never forget this moment. Uh, this moment has changed the way I live my life. I used to feel like I couldn't give. I used to feel like I, I wasn't in the position to release what I had to people. This changed my heart. This changed, this changed what it meant for Chelsea and I to live a generous life. Uh, I'll never forget it. Eric Combs, the father of one of my very good friends, he called me and he said, Hey, Robbie. Bring the truck over. Mary and I, were, we're moving and we're downsizing and we want to give you a few things. I said, all right, let's do this. So I, I pulled up to his driveway and I believe my brother Dylan was with me. And so he walked us through the house and I had been there before. I'd been to life group there. I, his, I was friends with his kids. And, and so he walked me through the house and he, he said, listen, man, we're downsizing. Take what you want. He said, just take what you want. If you take something we need, we'll replace it. And I, I could not believe what he was telling me. That's, that's not normal. It didn't feel right. Taking people's beds apart while I stood there and watched. <laughs> it just didn't feel right. I turned him down twice and on the third time I just started grabbing things. I filled up my 26-foot U-Haul that day. We had so much stuff that we had to move the garage sale to a high school parking lot. At one point, I, I, and I still resent this moment, I'm working on it. At one point, I saw my sister selling some, someone a pair of shoes that I had bought three weeks prior. I said, Chelsea, what are you doing? We didn't need the money, Robbie. I said, well, I need those shoes. Things got crazy. People would bargain us down from $20 to $15 on an item. But when they were checking out, we were smart. We had a little fundraiser bucket there that just explained what we were doing. And as they were checking out, they felt good about themselves because they saved the 15. But then they dropped a 20 in the bucket. We got them. At the end of the day, we went over to my in-law's house and my father-in-law started to pull wads and wads of cash out of his pockets. And, and he wears cargo shorts, so there's a lot of pockets, you know what I'm saying? And, and he just starts pulling wads and wads of cash and we're counting and I'm just thinking, whoa, what's going on here? Can I tell you something? We made $6,500 at that yard sale. 65, have you ever made $6,500 at a yard sale? I have. And with that, guess what we had? We had the money to adopt Josiah. Verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And I want, I want to be very clear about something. I am not talking about money right now. I'm not talking about, I want you to hear this correctly. The money is not what got us through those few months. 
The money was an outcome. The work was done on our knees. Do you hear me? The money was the outcome. The work was done on our knees. Prayer is what got us through that season. That yard sale happened on one Saturday morning. Prayer was happening every single day. Every single day. Let's not get caught up in what we need. Let's not get caught up in what we want. Let's present our request to a God who loves us, who is for us. Let's, let's get close to him. Let's sit in his presence. Let's share our heart with him because he cares for your heart. Prayer replaces worry. Prayer relinquishes control. Prayer reveals contentment. And most importantly, prayer says, God, I need you. This is too big for me. Wherever you're at in this season, the secret to having joy and peace, it's found in prayer. Maybe you've got a, a spirit of heaviness on you. Maybe it's a spirit of fear or addiction. Today, you need to come up next to Jesus and talk to him. Because here's the thing, prayer does not move God toward us. Prayer moves us towards God. And so how about today, you shorten the distance between you and God. Fear and worry cannot control you when you're in the presence of Jesus. Fear and worry has no room there. Fear cannot survive being spoken, I promise you. Anxiety is suffocated when we give it to Jesus. My favorite song right now says this, fear can go to hell and shame can go there too. And I sing those words every single day, it seems like. But here's the thing. I need Jesus to help me send those fears to hell. Jesus sends my fear to hell when I give them to him and I give them to him in prayer. And so give it to Jesus today. Give it to him every day. Whatever it is, give it to him. And I say we start today. Would you pray with me? God, you, you know what's going on in our souls today. You know what's got us wrapped up and bound up. In the name of Jesus, today, God, we ask that you rebuke any spirit of heaviness in us right now. Jesus, we cast it on you and it doesn't feel right to cast it on you, but you tell me to and out of obedience, I'm doing it. Jesus, I cast my fear on you. Whatever it is today, Jesus, we cast it on you and then we trust you. We trust you, we give it to you and we're gonna get it out of our heads. We're gonna get our heads up and we're gonna look to you. Jesus, help us in this time to, to draw close to you, encourage us and compel us to moments of intimacy with you. Show us that in moments close to you, we can look around us and we can see hope. Give us hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you do something for me this morning? Will you allow us to partner with you in prayer? Our prayer team, they reach out to me weekly. They are itching to lift you up. So please, I'm, I'm asking you to go online and fill out a connect card and let us know how we can be praying for you. Our prayer team is gonna cover you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Stay engaged to our social media platforms to see what's going on. Join us this Wednesday for Wednesday Night Live. We look forward to seeing you next week.